pay that guy for laughing. Like okay, that. that sounded like it was coming through the wall and insulting. <laughs> what the heck was something on the doorstep type stuff? Hi, Rob. But here we are. Yes, it's <laughs> it's cold outside. It was probably because it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> but hi, Craig. Hi. And, Hi, We're Lauren. happy to have her back. Yeah. I don't, I'm very happy to have her back, one of our good friends out here. I don't know. She's happy to be back after listening to us talking about old men issues. <laughs> so we say, and let me say okay. she's stuck between us. She can't get away for an hour. Lauren Fagiano. Did I pronounce your last name you right? You did. It was good. Wow. Well, we both, the other thing we have in common, too, is our NFL team sucked. But <laughs> <laughs> well, mine didn't always suck. So. I'm thinking I haven't heard. Anything about them replacing getting a quarterback in the draft, though? I know. I don't know. I, I have to be honest, though. I did like the whole Tommy DeVito story. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. It's good when it's, but a lot of those things, sometimes they turn into something or the next year they don't do anything. Well, that's, and that's right. Like, I'm, like, happy with what it was. And he needed to sit down, and Tyrod needed to take over, for sure. But the whole story of this kid just coming out of nowhere and talking about his Italian family and how he didn't have to cook for a week because all, all the neighborhood was bringing food. And, you know, just to hear those elements of my culture and my family, like, coming out, it was just really it's cool. Like the one yeah. community, I love it. The one community who would do the thing where you and this is like my friend Rob and Gates, and you go over his house, you would be not be able to eat for a week, but they say, when well, you go over to their house, they give you a big bowl of spaghetti, a big bowl of pasta, this, lasagna. Then they go, now you're going to eat. After <laughs> I know. <laughs> you have the Thanksgiving, like my, my mom was Italian. So that side of the family is always like, by the time you get through... By the time you get the turkey, you're like, I've already had four courses. Absolutely. It's like soup and this and that. And, mm-hmm. and like it's like, holy crap. Bake, we usually do baked macaroni on Thanksgiving because my dad's like, I'm not thankful for turkey. I'm thankful for pasta. I've heard yeah, <laughs> like, I've actually gotten to eat my salad last because I've seen them the European way. Well, Italians, yeah, they'll, they'll eat it last. So but like, for me, that was like huh. in watching mm-hmm. Green Book. The thing that got me was the end because they obviously were having the Feast of the Seven Fishes and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first thing they say, like when Don Shirley comes in, what are you waiting for? Get him a plate. <laughs> yeah, we, we come pretty close on Christmas. The Feast of the Seven Fishes is a Christmas Eve thing. We come pretty close. We don't quite get to seven, but pretty close. So yeah, seven, okay, six, twelve, fifteen. <laughs> well, well I, I was miss, I always thought it was seven different fishes, but that is not true. It's I didn't know that. Seven different meals with fish in it. So you could have oh. haddock prepared a couple different ways and each way would count as a different fish. I always thought you had to have seven different fishes. Uh, well, I always passed over the fifth one. <laughs> oh! Okay. Anyway. <laughs> I had to throw that A little in. bit of soul <laughs> there. Uh, but I would always get, like, the one thing I'd rather do to work, watch out is, you know, as they call it football, soccer. But, like, when I go to my mechanics and the Napoli fans, and if you mention, well, I was watching AC Milan. No, you see that sign? Mm-hmm. You figure you're going to drive your car out and it's going to fall. <laughs> but some of these good diversions, uh, you always have tons going on. You're always interested. You have a couple projects coming up. Yeah. Usually I, I don't, I kind of lay low in the music scene and just, you know, I'm working full time and a mom of two kids that are pretty busy, so... Uh, I kind of lay low in the music scene, but we definitely have some fun stuff coming up March 1st. We're doing, every year my band will always do like a tribute to women and music for Women's History Month. So March 1st, we're doing that um, at Love and Cup with a bunch of different guests. And then March 30th, we're, um, Dan Ho asked me to be a guest for the Eric Clapton, or not a guest, no, I'm in the band. 
I mean, I made the band. Um, nice. I like Dan. Dan yeah. Cool. Oh, he's awesome. Um, so I'll be playing keys and organ and singing with that Eric Clapton tribute. And then Travis Prinzi had asked me to play keys and sing for a Bob Dylan tribute May 4th, and that's at the Avon Theater. So I'm ah. really excited about that. Good hopefully show. you can make all of them, but otherwise, two out of three ain't bad. Sorry. You're like, get me out of here. <laughs> but I want to, we'll talk about all that stuff, as always, but as always, we cannot stay on ourselves. You do musical therapy, and I was very interested. See, we shouldn't have a show. We should just take the stuff before the show. It's much more interesting it's, than we talk about. It's show prep. Yeah. That's what it is. It's yeah. not just idle chatter. It's show prep. Yeah, it's for us, all of us. It's <laughs> like, getting warmed it's up, like for Greg know? and I. It's like, well, we have to run to the bathroom again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought what you said was interesting about the... Music utilizing two sides of the brain. Could you yeah. extrapolate on that? Yes, I can, <laughs> of course. So, yeah, I'm a music therapist, and which was really cool. I just I renewed my board certification, so 20 years I've been a board-certified wow. wow. music therapist. What does music get depressed about that needs therapy? Oh. I'm really <laughs> the bad ones going to the, the cold air has got my brain. Yeah, I guess. I feel bring diminished. In a, bring in like a, one of those, I'm like, the blues. I'm the blues. You. I'm not here to make you feel better. I'm here to make you feel bad. Now, we were talking about dementia and Alzheimer's and how often, you know, people that are experiencing that, uh, they'll lose their language. They can't speak or in sentences or uh, it's really difficult for them to communicate through words. And But what's cool about music is that because it stimulates both sides of the brain, so language just comes from the one side, but because music can stimulate both, someone who might not be able to speak will still be able to sing an entire song. I mean, look at Tony Bennett. He was out there singing all those songs, but he had a really hard time putting cohesive thoughts together. But he right. sang every note in those songs. Yeah, do you think there's a, like a long-term brain thing that works into it, too? Or like, you know, long-term memory, I mean? Well, versus so, short term, or? well, that's that. Well, that's how dementia works. So, like the the older memories tend to stay with you, but like you can't make the newer ones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now so, yeah, hear, that could be it too. Yeah. The, those songs have been so ingrained in their life. And, for a while. and what about? I'm just asking for curiosity. Yeah. Uh, so, what about right brain, left brain, or left handed, right hand? Does that make a difference or no? Um, I'm, you know what? I'm not that much into the whole science okay. aspect. Well, I'm just I'm wondering. Just I, I, but I had like one of the weirdest things with would be with my dad. We'd be driving around like he couldn't even, like his eyesight was sort of messed up, but he would see signs and stuff and like what the heck he's like seeing these. So I asked the optometrist like, no, he's remembering them because these are older things that wow. went on by. You remember like around the route or something. Mm-hmm. So that was like I guess that's how it functions like that. Like you'll have a memory because I'm like, how is he reading these signs and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you use keyboard or guitar when you do this? Both. Both? Okay. Yeah, it depends who I'm working with. Yeah, okay. With the situation. That's got to be cool. I, like I said earlier, I, I really thought about getting in on that when it first started, but it seemed like the next big thing, and I just never acted on it, which, oh, well. That's no, well, that's what I always, I always owe Phil Marshall because he did it for my dad. And the thing was, he'd go in there, and my dad would be, you know, the nicest people around. You know, those last years, he wasn't so nice. But you get him in there, and I would just not want to bother him. I was like, Phil, where are you playing this for? Whatever. Yeah. Go away. And you would hear them, and it would be like you want to tape, and you play all the old songs. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I used to have a group called Melodies and Memories where people could come in, like a caregiver could come in with a person that they're brought, providing care for, whether it's a family member or somebody that they're hired, whatever. But, but the group was both for the person with Alzheimer's and for the caregiver together. And you know, when you have the family dynamics in there, it was really cool to see 
the caregiver's reaction because there's glimmers of who they remember that person being that come out with the music that it was a really special moment and that it was just cool that to would be a part seem, of. that would take them um, actually this is like a hidden gem for anybody who likes classical Penfield Symphony Orchestra if you want to go see really really good music our own Kyle Voss played there and the one time he's trying to explain like the space thing he did in like songs so I'm like Kyle shut up I'm just not the <laughs> amateur you know? it's like by the time you said the fourth thing I was lost but it's really it's inexpensive and it's a great time but I would take my dad and they would have the Christmas show and they would give you the little sheets for singing and I'm like oh nice I'm not doing this <laughs> but, <laughs> but my dad would he would just not even need it he would sing them and then he'd be calling me uh or a couple of his names, Luigi, or... Yeah, yeah a couple of weird names, these people he would talk to. I'm trying to figure out who the heck they were. They weren't there. Hmm. But, you know, I never heard, like, I don't know where he got the names from. Yeah. It's like, I don't know where some of these memories came from. Was or, always or like, I mean, there there is a, a hallucinogenic aspect to it, too. Some people do experience that as well. So it oh. could just be a, wow. a hallucination. only thing I could relate was when I eat that chocolate bar and I didn't realize I was in Colorado. Well, not that kind. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever play Donkey Kong? Maybe it was Luigi from Donkey Kong. I don't know what it was. There were a couple names. There was an Antonia and I don't remember. It'll be some evil, like, great family mystery that came out like 15 yeah. years ago. Well, it could have been somebody he knew. He was in the, the war and everything. Like could have been a soldier buddy, something like you that. You know, and I always wondered about that. It's like, I don't wish that on anybody seeing how it is, but I wonder, like, I always wonder there's, like, a little, like, somebody trapped in here, but you can't get it out, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So on all these fun notes. <laughs> so, so how did your Joni Mitchell thing go? Did that happen It was yet? great. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. No, we did, we did it in Geneseo, and then... At the Riviera, and then we did it at the Theater Innovation Square. Nice. Um, and it went really well. I, you know, I, she's had such a resurgence in this last year. You happy she won the Grammy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it was, that audience is like the best audience ever because they're so attentive and they're, and they are there for the music, for the love of, you know, it's not always the case it shows. Some people just right. talk I, over I, I it. Use, and uh, they're for the social experience, and that's all great, too. But the people that were there for this show, well, I, I can't tell you how many standing ovations after, like, after, in the middle of a set, is the song, because they just loved it so much, and it's songs that they haven't heard brought to life live in, in decades. So, uh it was a it was a really great experience. That yeah. is great. That That's is cool. A, I mean, I've yeah. used the term wallpaper music, and I hate it when I go to see a show and people are talking. Yeah, yeah. And that's really not the case. Yeah, it's really not the case. You go in, though. I suppose you know, but and I know it's a lot. Musicians like it a lot more when you're mm -hmm. paying attention. I was talking to a friend of mine saying, "Well, you know, the crowd really isn't like if the." Cashes, what do you care? <laughs> He's like, no, I want to hear it. But I think, and I'm going to use this word, and I don't, I don't mean it in a wrong connotation. I think it's almost like a cult following. There are some bands, and they're very diverse, where people are. It's not just like they really get into the arts. I would say they're completely different from Joni, but Rush. I've seen fans like oh, that yeah. where they're utterly like. I remember like. Take, getting one of Neil's books out, the guy at the library said, well, I saw them first time this year, yeah, this, so year passionate. this year, yeah. and I'm almost like, okay, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, we, so the more that I've been doing the show, the more people I've been meeting, and uh, there's actually quite a few that traveled from, like, Florida and Colorado wow. and New Jersey, 
uh, Maryland, Connecticut, they all came into town. How cool is that? And, and so these folks get together like once a year, if not more, and do it, their own Joni Fest. And they said, so then I had everybody over to my house the next day, and that was the best because we just we were just singing Joni all night long. And everybody, like certain, like, you know how a song you just, oh, my gosh, and you connect with it so much, but you're kind of alone in that, right? Like, people don't feel it like you do, but, like, having all of these folks over was right. like, yes, like, it just felt so good. I finally dug out the Blue album a while ago, and that was really good. Yeah. I'll t- Blue is great, but there is so much more to Joni yeah. than that album. I mean... But if it gets people in, that's the Absolutely. thing that makes it. Because I'll pick something up, then I'll start deep diving into things. Yeah. But that's, that's how it's different, though. another one, too. I forget. I can't remember the name of it now. I got it at some flea market thing. And Do you know uh, what the cover looked like? Yeah, she's just on the cover. And it's white and black, black, probably Hajira. Uh, yep, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> that, that's a great like album. Alan Murphy yeah. talking to me like yeah. before the show we started going out about all this. Oh. Like, can I write this down, Alan? But I'll go, like, say I'll see, like, I would see some of my friends, like, back in the day, maybe over the summer, like, some ten times. But I would ask, like, somebody, like, say, okay, we'll use, like, Rush. And actually, one of my friends, his number one band was Van Halen. I would ask, like, okay, on that last tour with Sammy Hager, Sammy really hated it, said he was off. And did you happen to see that? He go, oh, I saw it 30 times. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, even a bad Eddie's still better than most. <laughs> right. Well, but the people that I saw, one of the first times I saw this is when my dad took me to pro wrestling at the War Memorial. And there were some guys there from North Carolina. What they did was go around, see different wrestling in the territories. Wow. Was it different, like, depending on well, that was, where they Well, you don't were. want to get me started on this, it will be done. <laughs> but back in the day before, like, Vince, the sicko, as we found out, took over, it was territories. So it was, like, a different different wrestlers in different territories, okay. different promoters. He's like, what did I sign up for today? Oh, <laughs> uh, there's probably a lot of rivalries going on with that. But they would have, like, yeah. they would trade guys off and everything, yeah. too. We need our masked... Uh, I used to, I used to get really into the WWF back in the day, like the Ultimate Warrior. I love. He was one of my. Favorites. I would freak like people would freak out when they had KFAB and everything. But from now, the only the only podcast that segues from pro wrestling to music. Yeah. What's your first one coming up? Is it Women in Rock? Yeah, the, it's the Celebrating Women in Music. Yeah, March Trust 1st. Trust me, I'm bad about like remembering any of this. Stuff. Nah, you're good. You're, you you brought it back. And that's where. That's at Love and Cup, okay. and it's real. So the it sh- starts at seven thirty, and so myself and then Amanda Domino and Kelly Izzo Shapiro are doing uh, a full acoustic set to open, and so we have songs like with cello and all different instrumentation, um, and the and the three of us sing in harmonies, three part harmonies. It's really cool, uh, and then and and musically, it really is all over the place. I mean, we cover. We're going to do some Tori, some Ani, oh, and then we're going to do, you know, Gladys Knight and Carol King and Aretha and just where it's wow. just, it's really you are like work. all <laughs> over the place. I'm all, you know, wrestling, music, I'm cooking, calm, you know, oh, we'll I love get it to all. That at the end. <laughs> <laughs> cooking with music. And actually, <laughs> Lipker Sisters got their 10th anniversary tour. They're going to be at uh, Love and Cup next week. Oh. Yeah. Wow. They have some nice harmonies, too. And it's fairly close to my house, so I like those gigs, and I like Leslie and everybody there, too. Well, you know what's funny? I was talking to uh, my girlfriend, Debbie. She listened to the one show with that you had with Joe and the, and the girls. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't at that people one. People listen to the show? Apparently so. <laughs> I've had a couple of people. Actually, we have a good, like, 
but race and underground following on. Yeah, but she was. Yeah, they're all underground. They all want us <laughs> underground. <laughs> no, they want us <laughs> underground if you listen to themselves. So, all right, enough self-deprecation. So, she said that uh, the, the one point she found interesting was that a lot of their originals are so good, people just think they're other obscure I always jazz tell covers. people that I tell Indiana that I'll tell you that. Like, when they do these songs, let them figure it out themselves. Oh, did you write that? Just go like this. <laughs> Adriana will go, I really wish I wrote the song. Like, be quiet, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but she sung a Justin Timberlake song, and then it's not in my wheelhouse. And it, the horror, I'm like, that's good. I never heard it was Justin Timberlake. Oh, great. Okay. Well, but, it's all yeah. in the delivery, really. No, you and take, the instrumentation, it really makes a difference. You could take, and I like I like the Commodores, but like when the Super Suckers do Sail On, it's just they turn it into country. Oh, it's wow. fantastic how they do it. And I think songs should be out there for people, and you can interpret them. And I yeah. think it's up to everybody, too. You know, some people have, you know what they're singing about their intent, but I don't, you know, they all become personal for us. Like, yeah. I have to say, one of my favorite interpretations is when Etta James covers Take It to the Limit by the Eagles. Well, that boy. Oh, I, I, I never thought of the song that way until she sang it that way and huh. that, it just like I feel so much more connected to that song okay. with the way that she well, with Anna, I mean, so, so good. but then on the reverse Tom Waits always says uh, old 55 if you want to hear how it's not to be done with the legal yeah <laughs> the one thing now a good song should be able to be twisted around in different styles yeah. though Another queen at it is Eva Cassidy. There's oh, songs like like Bridge you know, Over Troubled Water. I'm, uh, I, I could do without that song. It's right. gonna, when she sings it, forget it. Huh. It's like, totally yeah, I think it's a folk song, though, but Fields of Gold, which I've heard from Sting, her version, almost make you cry. Yeah. Then you know her tragic life, like how mm-hmm. he just cut short. Yeah. But like she's got this voice like from the heavens She can or sing anything. Wow. She can sing anything. So... The way it, she can, it can be so pretty and gentle, and then she can like bang. This, like it's, it's really cool to hear her control over her voice and how she can. But talking about women in rock too, the thing I don't know if it's still a thing. It is a little these days. How I mean, I have friends who have people come up to them and say, "You know, you play really well for a girl." Mm-hmm. And oh, God. <laughs> but they do. And I had oh, you want a really bad one? I'm not mentioning names, but one of my good friends. She, uh, a guy comes up to her during break, and it's like, somehow he goes like, how old are you? And I'm like, what the, f- why are you asking that? She's like, well, I'm 33. It's like, well, you're an old broad. <laughs> yeah. Somebody like, actually so, said yeah. that. Yeah. She was like, and I'm like, what the? F-? It's, it, I'll tell you, I, I, could, I could share some stories of, uh, I've gotten, oh, wow, you're a lot better than I thought you'd be. Uh, okay, one insult I would give you is you play well for a Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a Vikings fan. Yeah. I can pot call you. You know, I hate to say it, but I think those things are said without realizing how they come across. Absolutely. Oh, I agree. It's just, wow, I didn't, maybe they're tra- really kind of trying to say, well, I never thought women I think could play that well. And they're trying to maybe but affirm the thing is, that you play so well. Many, I don't know. I get that there's, I'm sure, good intent behind it. However... Uh, there are so many talented musicians that are women that often don't get the forefront and the recognition uh, that, and and for what? For I mean, Joni even is an example. I mean, she's pro, profound and prolific and just, uh, you know, and then you, like, Rosette's sister was at Tharp, you know, like, th- these women musicians have been around and, and nailing it 
forever, but yet their names are not just readily at people's tongues. No, or one of my reasons. Probably well, I would put my top albums, Carol King Tapestry. Right. And she has so many yeah. songs. But what I'd like to do, though, is like you find a cover out of it and you hear somebody's like, wow, that guy did a really good song. You really like this song? Oh, you know who wrote it? <laughs> right. Well, Carol you know, King with the Wrecking Crew. I think I think uh, they were torch singers for so many years in the jazz era. They really weren't doing much else. They were like eye candy, so to speak. You know, they were the draw, and then the band got all the accolades. But the singer is the one that puts the song across. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more women drummers now than there ever were. I mean, it's not such a novelty anymore. You know. And you can thank probably, you know, the rock bands for that one, the Bangles and Go-Go's. But I think, too, you go back, and I got into, after Chuck Berry died, I got really into deep diving into reading about 50s rock. And this was a special kind of crazy. You had the scary, we don't realize, like, some of the, Fats Domino, you would think, is a mellow guy. Right. He had, like, his tour, he got they banned him in places because there were riots at four of his shows. Wow. I mean, this was like a new thing. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy plus there's all the prejudices and like these, a lot of these singers having to go in the south and everything. So this was crazy. Well the jazz guys really started yeah. taking offense because their era was getting forced out. But they also did, you know, that's why rock they, started, and roll came in. they started calling themselves man because all these people were hey boy. Yeah. You know that's why they came up with that. But I think of like the girl groups coming in in the 60s yeah. I have a really cool magazine. I picked up this vintage rock magazine at. Uh, uh, I always I always say Borders, but whatever the other books, Barnes and Noble. I got it at Barnes and Noble, and um, it's just a magazine. But it had an interesting little couple page thing. This lady took all these pictures of uh, Rochester, basically, and. There's these pictures of, like, I can't remember the names of the bands, but, like, the Coasters or that era. And they got band, they got pictures of them in the back of the auditorium theater getting off the bus for one of those package shows that they used to do back in the day. And it's really cool. It's, like, really interesting to see what was going on in this area without us even knowing. I heard a lot about the Pithod Club. Oh, yeah, yeah I never mm-hmm. went there. The one of the funniest part is my brother saw Muddy Waters here. And, like, Howlin' Wolf would give you, like, a three-and-a-half-hour show. Be sweating on the floor. Yeah. Muddy Waters would be, like, sitting at the bar having drinks while his band played the first time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, is he going to go up there? Yeah. Right. Well, it's kind of like how a lot of... How, how a lot of those older guys did it. Well, John Mayall did it when yeah. I saw him here. I think he took it from the old blues guys. You know, it's like, okay, you guys, you, you're you getting paid, you play, and I'm going to take it easy, and then I'm going to come up and do my ten songs, and then, then we're... But then again, like, I, I would love to, like, get shirts that say, I wish I could play like a girl. <laughs> but then you get, like, going to punk, come on, how many... Uh, that would be great. Susie <laughs> Sue, Wendy Williams, all these... <laughs> You know, they handle just well. But now I see a lot of, like, female guitar players are really coming out and shredding. You know, Samantha oh, yeah. Fish, Ellie Venable. Mm-hmm. Even still, though, like, and then I, I look and I wonder, because she, she's gorgeous, 
and she dresses very provocatively. Yeah, we do. What are you saying? And, <laughs> but I, and I wonder, like, is she doing that because that's how she wants to and that's her expression, or is she doing that to try to give her, a, you know, a leg up, if you will, to like, get uh, people's attention? I don't know. So for, I, that's one thing I, I get really conflicted about. It's I, like, if a woman wants to dress that way, then absolutely they should be able to. Read my but if mind. they feel like they have to do that in order to be heard, that's where I have a You know, it's a good case for that. I, I brought this up a couple times. Grace Potter. Mm-hmm. Grace Potter started out as a hippie keyboard organ, you know, R&B, right? And now I've seen her. She's fronting the band. She's wearing the little black dress. You know, it, it's like either somebody said, hey, this is the way to go, or... Or she wanted to go. There. I always felt she had a pretty sensual appearance, even early. Like, because I saw her early on, we're in, in Buffalo. Was it the, the, the town ballroom? Maybe I saw her. Probably. Yeah. And and she was pretty sensual and provocative yeah. then, and that was yeah. really early on in her career. So, um, but she's been fronting more. She's been singing more. Just well, she you know, yeah. Playing, I mean, you know. even then, I. Her band composition has changed quite a bit, but she's she's a multi instrumentalist. Yeah, I mean, she can yeah. wail on keys and she plays you know, a solid guitar. Like, that's like you hit a point that I think about a lot, and I've had like some friends, and I notice how they market them. And it's all like the way us slobs, if we were playing out around here, right. not you, but the two idiots here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a lot of guy bands, you know, guys will be up there in shorts or something. But then you see how they're dressed, how you look at an album cover, how they're dressed. And I wonder if they tell them, you know, sell yourself like this. And the only thing I could say about it is, you know, it's, the world's not perfect. It's, it's just, if that can draw them in, then they appreciate your music. I read a few articles about that, like Conchella and some of those other things out in the desert. And these guys come out, metal, freaking leather jackets. They just, this is our image and we're sticking with it, you know, type of thing. No matter, they don't care if it's 110. Oh, Lammy. Lammy, like with Motorhead, they had the big problem with Brian Robertson because he's like, okay, here, go buy some black pieces of leather jackets. I'm not wearing that stuff. He goes, okay, you can play, but... Just don't wear shorts. Yeah. <laughs> I get a pass on the shorts because everybody figures no way you can see my. Well, they had the one drummer in Hawkwind. <laughs> the drum. Don't get any ideas, man. The drummer in Hawkwind. He would sweat, but she would play naked. <laughs> no, I won't be doing that. <laughs> I can't imagine that's all that comfortable. I don't know. Well, we can ask. You know, if he wants to. Do it. Wow, that guy really swings. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll be here all night. Oh, good grief! <laughs> this sounds like an awesome event. Like at least, like any. Uh, there's going to be. I love Tori Amos. I love all these. Yeah. You know, and it's going to be. Sounds like any Amy Man. No. Amy yeah, Man is cool. Yeah. You can't do all of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're covering over thirty different artists. Just thirty more. Wow. Yeah. So we're, we're trying. We're trying to. That's get a lot it. of work. Yeah, well, and, and and it was funny. We're like, oh, we'll throw this acoustic set together, and honestly, that's been the most work out of any all of it because huh. of the arrangements. It's you know, it's really pared down, so you right. really have to focus on on how that's the arrangements important. are going to go. Yeah. yeah. You always say, okay, here, do you give them, like, who do you want to do? Your pick or yeah? Do want, you I try to. You don't do the here's a bowl, just pick a name. <laughs> no, well, I, I there's definitely people for sure. Like, if originally we didn't have Tori in the mix, and she was just. She was like the first person 
musically that I was just completely, that grabbed me. Like, Did it get you? All of it. I found out about her because I was a Sandman fan with Neil Gaiman. And, mm-hmm. I got his, and there was a newsletter that said how he was in her house, like it was by the Times, by the river. So I had to check her out. Yeah. Well, so I got into her because I had a, a friend in high school named was Vanessa. And she had Under the Pink because Trent is on it. And she really liked Nine Inch Nails. And so she's like, anything that Trent was on, she wanted to check out. And she's like, eh, I don't really like it. You want to have it. And so that she just gave me the album, and then that was it. That's about personal taste. If you're like, oh, you want to listen to Trent's on? Oh, Nine Inch Nails? He's going to have it. No, see, now, I like Nine Inch Nails, I like too. more like, you know, I, I went back to some of that stuff. Like, I was just listening to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it was a little bit of the era. I like it not as much as I did then. Nine Inch Nails, I think... They have musically. They are very talented. I mean, he got up and played in a thumb piano in Mbira. As I saw them, at, I don't even know if it was Blue Cross then. Whatever. It's called the War Memorial. War Memorial. Yeah. And he got up and he played this piano, like little thumb piano. Like I, I just, it was very well Robert. thought out. Kalimba? Was it a Kalimba? A Kalimba. Yeah. yeah. This. Yeah. But see, again, we talk about cover yeah, cool. and songs. What do you think of his, when you hear Hurt? You hear think of Johnny Cash. A lot of people do. And I've yeah. heard both versions. Uh, I think Melanie actually redid it, too. Yeah. Oh, she um, just passed. She did. We're cut, we're, we are including some of her music. You're do I Ruined My Bicycle? No. No, we're doing um, <clears throat> What Have They Done to My Song. I like look look what they've done to my I like that, too. I would think, like, too, like, Tori's quite the challenge. I can't see, like, singing Spark or... Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to do Winter. I'll, I'll just break. Cause, and the acoustic set with a cello. One of my best favorite opening lives. Oh, yeah, I forgot my mittens. <laughs> yeah. That visual. Oh, my... Well, the, you know what? The line in that song that really gets me is, when are mm-hmm. you, you going to make up your mind? When are you going to love you as much as I do? Like and now being a parent and like having so oh, much how love. Cool, yeah. So she wrote that song about her dad and and this the love that he had for her and you know and and as you grow up and you discover yourself and you don't always have the most amount of self love and you're learning to love yourself like that's that that line it really. But just I imagine like a lot of these are especially her where you can draw it's like amazing and I've seen this like. This is diversity, like a Richard Pryor on stage, where you draw and draw emotionally. You can do a song like Me and a Gun. Oh, God. And how the heck you yeah. can bring this out in front of people. Right. And everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've seen her uh, probably like 18 times or something. I, 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 I was able to see her. Wow. Did you hear at Kodak Center? I did. Yeah. And I've met her, met her a couple times. She's like, she's like my height. She's super tiny, like short. Um, but, like, really nice, and the coolest thing, this is the coolest Tory story ever for me. So I'd seen her at this point maybe a half, a, like a dozen times or so. And my favorite, favorite, favorite song is Baker Baker. And she had never heard her play it live. And she was touring with the band, so she didn't do a lot of solo stuff. So it was just, like, a couple songs in the middle of the set. And so I had met her, and I talked to her. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry I forgot. If you could please play Baker Baker. I've seen you so many times. It's my favorite. I've never heard it. So she wrote it on her hand. Wouldn't you know she did it? And after she uh, did it, she turned out to the crowd, and she bent over, and she put her hands on her head and, like, waved. <laughs> I'm like, she's waving to me. if you did that with oh, Dylan, nice. Dylan would make sure he wouldn't play the song. Yeah. No, she was way cool. She was really sweet and... Man, that, the fact that she did that song was just gorgeous. I was really floored. That is really nice. Yeah. Well, you know, you are there for the fans. I whereas, mean, these bands that ignore the fans, I, I Whereas my own it. friends during the intermission, I ask if they could play a song. They say they're going to play it, and they forget. Uh. <laughs> like, we'll get you next time. 
<laughs> no, she's awesome. I don't like this one. I think it's quite the unfair criticism. I would ask friends of mine if they liked her and they wouldn't like her because they thought her lyrics were weird. And I'm like, dude, listen to Tom Waits or Andy Kane. Well, she's been through a lot of yeah. personal stuff. You know what? I like doing terms. Like, you'll hear about Neil because she'll mention Neil Gaiman. I know it's like sort of like, uh, or like, hey, Jupiter, I think, was about her having an affair. Yeah. I, the first time I heard that song was right before the album came out, and she was on Saturday Night Live, and she played it. And and I like her version oh of Under God. the Rainbow. Yeah, it's cliche, but... She does beautiful... Inter- I'll tell you, um, Famous Blue Raincoat, yeah. she did. Um, she has a whole album, actually, of, of covers. It's about the guy covers. It's like, and yeah, I do like the song, I Don't Like Mondays, even though yeah. it's about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't put that, like, on Facebook, though, because I know what it's about and yeah. everything. yeah. I picked up some older music. I was somebody's cassettes and I grabbed a bunch. I got Doris Day, and uh, I mean, and like all these, all these older singers that you forget about. Doris Day was a big band singer. Mm-hmm. Ozzy Nelson's wife was a big band singer. Okay. And she was like in in his band. I guess that's how they met because he was a band leader. And. Uh, and they became America's family. And I'm like a big <laughs> Julie London fan, too. I just think of that. But now you're going to get to the point. Everybody's going to go to the show. Hey, why aren't you playing all Tory? Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've thought about doing a Tory trivia. That'd be like, I mean, that'd be a me. challenge for a lot of people, I think. That's like for, you know, if you really want to challenge yourself with some of those songs. Yeah. No, I've, I've thought about it. I could do Cornflake Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Cornflake Girl. Yeah. <laughs> but who's who some of the other? You've named a couple of them already. Um... Let's see. So it's Cindy Lauper. We're doing um, this. It's an old standard that Ella made famous, but the version we're doing is a Bette Midler version of it because I love Bette Midler. Um, we're doing Etta James, Janis Joplin. Uh, let's see. Eva Cassidy, um, Christine McVie. Um, I love Christine McVie's songs. Yeah. I like her, and I'm forgetting the name. I like her band Sunburst. before Fleetwood oh. Mac. I don't, know, I don't know Mike Murray played it after she unfortunately played I bought her one solo album, the one where she's on the hill there. I love that album. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, so go down to this and see a whole bunch of these. And it's always... And it's, So we're also doing, um, in the back room at Love and Cup, there's going to be several different vendors, women-based businesses. Um, so bring a little extra cash and pick up some stuff. Which reminded me, I was going to ask you, is there tickets or can you just go? Or? Uh, I would suggest getting tickets ahead of time because this one usually sells out. Okay. Um, well, it's Greg. It becomes, it's like, hey, it's Greg. Hey, come on in. Well, no, 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 they, they do have, like, standing, <laughs> they have standing room, but if you want to sit down, yeah. I would suggest, you know, just going to Love and Cup's page and getting your tickets. You have to remember, room. just for anybody out there who's not done it before, you buy tickets, but if you want to sit down, read right on that you have to call... Yep, you uh, get take it and make your reservation. Feels more like a concert. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I like to sit. I will try to make <laughs> My room gets sore on some of those chairs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. I've got like one leg on the floor. <laughs> yeah. But just, yeah, I know like Stickman sold out recently with Tony Levin. Mm-hmm. We're getting, our kids are going to do some music too. So Champagne Manley's one of the guests. She's going to sing um, an Amy Winehouse tune, and so my son's going to play trumpet on it. And then my daughter's going to sing a song. Just her and I are going to do one together. So the other guest for that one is uh, Tina Guarneri and, uh, oh, okay. and I mentioned Kelly and Jade Hill. She does a lot of musical theater stuff. She's got a great voice. Um, yeah. yeah, so. You said March 1st, right? March 1st, yes, Friday night. Okay. 
I, I cannot get dates for well. At the end of the show, make sure you mention them all because I just cannot get in. I don't have a big calendar to write my stuff down either. Um, One of those old-fashioned people. I've got like little notes written all over. Uh, then, but then you lose the notes. <laughs> a little bit. I remember like. But that's always a cool venue, lots of fun and everything. You don't want to do the iced coffees like I do or you'll be shaking on the way home or something. Well, that's, but that's what I like about Love and Cup is if you don't drink, you still can go and get yourself a nice drink that's not alcoholic. Yeah, the one right. time, though, I don't know, I had tons of iced coffee. I'm dressed, I look like a, a road manager for the Moody Blues in the 70s. I get caught in a police roadblock. And I'm sitting there with red eyes going, hi. Caffeine, I'm going to be jailed because, man, again, it's like the other time, I hate these, they're like these voodoo chips. I start eating them on the way home from the bar. I start crying, and I'm like going to pull over, and I'm like, this is the first time someone's going to DUI from the chips. <laughs> Only me. <laughs> oh, but now, coming up next. <laughs> Uh, so the other show, then I I gotta pull out my notes. Ah, you too. I'm gonna because I well because I'm I'm Dan Ho is the one that is the head of it. So I'm really thankful that he asked me to be a part of it. So that's also at Love and Cup, and that's on March 30th, which is Eric Clapton's birthday. And so and the band is me and Dan <clears throat> and um, John Kelly, John Nutter, uh, Jimmy Connor, Sean Sullivan. Woody Dodge. Oh, wow. Um, sorry, he plays with Woody Dodge. Oh. My my notes are a little goofy here. That's Mike Ticino, Jeff Martin, um, Scott Austin, Elena Austin, Sarah Gavin. Oh, Elena, yeah, yeah. All and, right. Uh, yeah, so that's March 30th, and that's uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Elena's he, quite the up-and-comer. She's got a great Oh, Elena's great. We've done a bunch of gigs together. She's a lot of fun. Do that when you see Tori the next time, though. She'll do it on him. Hey, there's this podcast. You'd be on there and write it down. <laughs> You'd be on. Write it on your hand. Yeah. I'd, you know what I'd probably do? Is I'd probably talk about, like, Sandman for an hour, first of all. <laughs> yeah, well, I would imagine Tori would be an interesting Where, Where's interview. the 30th show? That, that's uh, at Love and Cup. Oh, that's Love and yeah. Cup, too. Okay. Yeah, and then the Bob Dylan tribute is when Travis is putting together. Okay. And that's. Mar- May fourth, so that's a, a bit off. Okay. Um, but and, and that's at the Avon Theater, and so that's. I Travis. have yet to be there. I got to get in. Yep, there. me neither. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, Oliver Burdo, Justin Williams, Steve Krupner, Abby Gebel, uh, Rick Constantino, uh, Tim Hayes, and Brian Dudley are going to be joining us as guests. See, I'm not in every band. Yeah. You're only in 99 <laughs> right now. I was think, When we were tr- thinking of a drummer, I was going to suggest you, but then they ended up coming up with somebody. That's okay. another, like, a side you, note. Yeah. We have all these really neat little theaters in upstate New York. Yeah. You know, like the Harmony House in Webster. There's the Homer Center for the Arts. Mm-hmm. There's obviously the Riviera. That's beautiful. And there's the one, I saw Michaela play, and I forget the name, and it's in DeWitt. Just go by Syracuse as a theater. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't remember what that name is. Because it's a beginning with a W. No, it's, I'll remember like an hour after the show. Like yeah. You get off at DeWitt, you go straight, and it's almost like a little arts thing with like a restaurant. Okay. Oh, yeah, I don't know. But it'll say Syracuse. But, yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. I think there's something about the ambiance of these places, too. Yeah. It's like, like the Joni Mitchell thing we used to do at Love and Cup, um, but we just got a little too big for, for it, the space. And also, you know, it's tough to do certain kinds of music when, you know, somebody's Making a cappuccino in the background. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love the little, but I can tell you, like, some shows, 
hit the one note a little higher because the coffee machine. Yeah, it yeah. makes it a little tricky. No, that's got me one of my little things I'm very interested in was these new Apple theaters where they have they bring you food and stuff and they have a bar. Yeah. I'm wondering, how are you watching a movie when people are, <laughs> I'm not going to watch King Kong and Godzilla <laughs> while they're bringing their nachos and stuff down. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's true, though, but I also we, we won't neglect the theater at Innovation Square. Yeah, that, that is a great space. The, the thing that's tricky is the parking... It's, uh, it's not, know, like, the most well-marked, so it's, I think a lot of people... So what I did, I saw, it. I went to go see a ballet there, Moulin de Paris. I'm like, where the heck is this place? And I first, I told my friend, it's uh, I bet it's in that five-star building. It's which would have been, Which right? would have been a mistake. Yeah, it's the old yeah, yeah. But the thing was, I would have, that would have been so funny. I'm going to walk into a security going, hey, where's the theater? <laughs> uh, once you get into the parking garage, it's super easy because it, it's in there. It's very well labeled. But finding the garage was a little tricky because it's like right before the theater. Yeah. Well, what I did, like I'm always paranoid about places I've been I looked it yeah. up. I looked it up and I finally saw the building and I parked down by the bug jar. Okay. And honestly, it's not a far walk at all. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. And then they got like, but the thing is, a whole lot of people is they've got like, it's a, you go in an elevator. It's not on the first floor. This right. says two innovation square. If you can get a spot right at the park there, Washington Park. Yeah. That, that's the best spot because it's across the street. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you got to get there early. Now they were. I don't know. There, there was like really like when I went there, like I really glad I just parked where I did. It's like yeah. like gee, but that's the one thing for them too. I saw the Wizard of Oz. You know, you can only do so much in our city because you know you have whatever. Space. Yeah, yeah. The the sound in that building though was was great, and the, and working with the people on sound, they because that's a tough show to do sound on because musically there's so many different things yeah. that happen. Well, I saw Prime Time Funk there too, and I did, the keyboard player like lit his piano on fire and he did backflips. <laughs> they had to get the guy like James <laughs> Brown and they had to drag him off the stage. He kept running back. <laughs> like wow, this guy's like taking a show. But you know, what's your view on Clapton? You know, uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with all of his personal stances on some things. Well, that's how we... <laughs> you know what? I, I have a view on that, okay? Like, I was reading... I go into weird deep dives about stuff. And, you know, it's funny. I started Ian Gillen bio. He's, like, super nice about Rich, even though you know what he really wants to say. Uh-huh. But, like, reading about John Lennon, he wasn't the best person. Uh, I think if we go through... You know, some people cross the line where you don't want to support them, where they do, like, really heinous stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think if we go through a lot of people we like, if you go down to a lot of stuff, our music would be like this. It would be, like, two people. Yeah. Like, Pat Boone. and (laughs) You know, the thing about Clapton and some of those guys from that era, I mean, like, him and Jeff Beck kind of come to mind. And it's just that... Okay, they do all this work. They put something together. Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they just, like, screw it, and they leave whoever was hanging, and then they go do something else, and they just keep... It's almost like they're just stone-stepping, and they're growing you know, their own career, like, but I mean, they're not really like helping the anybody. I catalog of music, though. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. You know, I don't like his racist comments and stuff. He's, if he's made them, you know, that's... You know, these yeah. days. But, like, the Crossroads thing, that's all about uh, 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 alcohol recovery program so he's got that thing with antigua or wherever the hell it is it's like out in no man's land but he's got that he's got a rehab place and he donates these concerts i guess for that well, i found out I, actually i read his book and he was some of these guys 
Well, they've got uh, you know, heroin they've been, and everything. Yeah, but I guess I finally found someone who saw it to attest to. He played at Rich Stadium on his Ocean Boulevard tour. He was so rocked. He sung, played, laying down the whole show. Now, I'm one of those people, like Steve, my good friend Steve Lithix, like to do, you know, take friends to shows. And I remember I saw Black Oak, Arkansas, when Jim Dandy fell off the stage. You know, I'm like, oh, this thing's like, this is awesome. I can listen to this at home anytime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, you know, I've been reading a lot about these bands and touring and this and that. And I'm, obviously, I don't have the experience that these guys do. Yeah, how many of play for 100 the, bands, man? Well, no, but I mean, especially back in the day when accommodations weren't great and, and the travel sucked and they didn't, it wasn't as organized as it is now. And, and you know, these guys, they get, they just direct the frustration inward and then they just say, screw it, I'm great and it doesn't matter what I do, they're coming to see, I don't know, it's, it's like mixed up, their, their emotions are... Like One divided, thing I got you know? from reading his bio is the man's like really passionate about pure music, about the blues. He's got yeah. a genuine passion, and I like how he said when he was touring with Cream. The big problems with Cream apparently were Ginger and Jack, not him. Sounds like he said a drink. <laughs> I think the, you know, <laughs> I did I didn't realize what I was saying? It, yeah. But it's a, that those are really the two. Yes, I mean, like, but to say that though, you have to really honor the roots and, and the and the people yeah. and the culture that well, it came yeah. right. from. <laughs> I mean, I know. Um, yeah, that's like, another thing I've always bummed me out. It's like everybody likes the music, but not necessarily the folks that created it, and it's a little weird sometimes. You know, it's also we're all. I always try to look to we're not perfect, and it's like people are. You know, and I don't excuse it at all. I think it's like I like people who do pay homage, try to bring, you know, bring the bluesmen in, even say, hey, this is really about them. But what happened, like when he was playing with Cream, and then he was playing with Blind Faith, he realized, you know, that actually when he was going like down south and everything, Derek and the Domino's, those whatever bands play. Don't really form Derek and the Diamonds. These guys, they liked that kind of music was more what he liked to play than what he was playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think about like Led Zeppelin. Like how many blues things did they rip off? A lot. <laughs> and they finally gave credit to those guys on the later pressing. Well, I, I well, God, I mean, too. I sort of like my young Robert Plant was always oh, a great singer. Oh, wait a second, he's just doing Howlin' Wolf. Right. Well, again, I mean, it, this is like. Now, with the 2020 hindsight or whatever you want to call it, if I knew then what I know now, you know, when I was a kid and when we were kids, you're listening to that stuff. Yeah, this is great. Wow, it's this new great thing. And then as the years go by, you're going, oh, it, they're doing blues. They're playing blues. Mm-hmm. And and all that stuff was based on blues. I mean... And can you imagine that that was like, like we're spoiled now. We can, like, I can read, I can do it while we're, I can put my phone out. I can order something while we're talking. Yeah. You know, but back in those days, like, the whole story about the Rolling Stones was Mick knew Keith. They were, like, passing acquaintances. But Mick had a blues album. Right. He wanted, and the thing was, like, Jimmy Page, all those guys, if you picked up a blues album, everybody would want to come around and listen to it because they were so tough to get. Well, yeah, it's like you hear those stories about the Beatles and, and the Sailors and whatever. They would go to into different places and they'd buy rock and roll records because they just, that was new and you couldn't get them all the time. So they would go, they would get these things, bring them back to the ships. And next thing you know, people start hearing it. And Or Pirate Radio, the movie, which is cool, Radio Luxembourg. That was a great movie, yeah. 
But cool, what are you going to be doing on that, do you know? What song? Well, I'm, I'm playing a bunch, but um, I'm definitely. What I don't even. Let me. I'd have to look at my list. You can I don't just even come know. and show up. Yeah, just come, come and see it. I don't. I'm singing a bunch of them. Um, but you I have like, any, like exactly in terms of just music like Cream, Solo, uh, Yardbirds, I, anything. I like you, Cream. I like Derek and the Dominoes. Like, I like keep on growing and that kind of stuff. Mm, yeah, I, I like Lark and Poe does a good version of that. I like really like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'd have to, it's, we're, it's still in the works, and uh, as far as, like, solidifying who's singing what, so I don't really want to say what I'm doing yet, because I'm not even 100% sure. <laughs> I'd love to hear oh, welcome to the podcast. Well, no, see, I told Dan, too, when, when he asked me to be a part of it, and he wanted to know, and I'm like, listen, I know what it takes to put a show like this together, so I will be, like, I'm as flexible as you need me to be. I'll do whatever. I'll sing, you know, I love doing harmonies and stuff. I don't have to sing lead on, you know, like, right. you just tell me what is going to make your life easier and I'll do it because I'm just thankful to be a part of it. And that's a good attitude. Yeah. Uh, yep. And I, for me, it's fun, you know, like, that's what makes it fun. I, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't have to be in the spotlight. I'm, I'm trying to appreciate him more as a guitarist because he's never been like in my top tier. Who's this, Eric? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he always hated his singing and then he finally got... I don't think he's got that bad of a voice. No, but he was subconscious about it before. Well, I mean, you put him against Jack Bruce, let's face it. Yeah, well, supposedly Jimmy <laughs> Page can sing. He just chooses not to. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, but I guess you could find, like... Well, we like, didn't know something together. When he was, like, 14, <laughs> I guess you could find pictures of young James Page singing in, like, some band when he was 14. Young James Page. <laughs> but, you know, what are you going to do? But, yeah, he's got a... Quite the color, and he's still making music and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he said it's coming. It's funny though these days. I remember reading reviews like in Cream and other things. When well, all oh, these dinosaurs of rock would clap when was thirty five, and they're like all these old guys. <laughs> yeah, well, if you go past the the hoopla with Cream Supergroup, you know, blah blah blah. If you actually listen to what they're doing when they go off the page, no pun intended. <laughs> it's pretty intense because they're just jamming away and they're just playing against each other and crazy things and and you listen to it and that's and then they just come back and it's like back to the riff or whatever it's a, and you're just like wow these guys and were they were, were really here. intuitive i mean that's you the were whole here thing like watching the people would like to go to the live shows to see ginger's 20 plus minute drum solo on toes right and then one of my friends who was in college she was a huge clapton fan i guess like sonic syracuse the carry them you know, for the fans, what they want to see, they want to see, like, every song be 10 minutes when he just goes off and right. everything. Yeah, hard I to do the, that and get a good number of songs. I have the Farewell DVD. That was in, the, I have both of them. It was, it's pretty interesting to see the difference between the two eras. It's weird. Like, the one at the O2 Arena, I guess Eric had the flu the first night, but it cleared up. But I still think that version of White Room is probably my favorite when they switch alternative vocals. Yeah. I think they had a poet writing lyrics for him. That was Peter, uh, that guy, uh, Peter Brown was the guy that wrote all Peter Brown came to say, you'll make it okay. Yeah. Put the album out by August. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, he wrote Tales of Brave Ulysses. He wrote the lyrics for all that. Oh. I mean, that guy is out there. (laughs) That song gets me every time, though, because they mix myths. Why do they use Aphrodite? should be Venus. Ulysses Odysseus, so they're mixing Rome and Greek. Ah, like, why are they, I wouldn't have known Only that. I would be bothered by this. <laughs> You're like, right, because right, I don't care. <laughs> they're mixing these, no, Ulysses is not, it's Odysseus, but it's a different, and then her name is Aphrodite, so it should be Venus if you're going to use Ulysses. No, it probably didn't fit the rhyme. 
Well, but little things do? like that bother me. I'll see like something Maybe in a movie. Maybe it's all the multiverse. I'll see something yeah, in a right. movie. There you go. And I have to use this more because I will see like something in a movie will bother me because there's like one historical thing wrong. Historical like, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> but actually, the one you should see if you want to see for have you ever seen Ghost World? No. If there's a band called Blue Hammer in it, which is like this super fake guys playing this they there's this they go to a club there's this original bluesman playing everybody's talking not paying attention then blues hammer comes on it's like i've been plowed and it's yeah. so funny oh, I, no i'll send you the clip okay because they have a clip of it's like that i saw if i use the term blues hammer for a band <laughs> you'll never hear it <laughs> greg's probably played have you ever played in a blues band yeah oh, why yeah. should i ask i <laughs> played with uh this one band the um Oh. oh God! Sorry, guys. I can't think of their name right now. But um, they were—they were, they were, they were the bass from Webster. They were really, really. It was a good. It was fun because I got to play a lot of these different kinds of blues that I never heard. You know, you opened me up to a lot of the different. Yeah, I mean, there's different. There's Chicago. There's Delta. There's all right. fun stuff. I, you know, I love the blues. I feel like it really can bring people together, and like. Even though there are these different styles, to me it's it's a very intuitive music. It's like, and you know where it's going, or or if you don't, you just listen and it takes you there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I really like the way that it makes the musicians like work together and play off of each other. Um, I think it leaves a lot of space for expression and, and creativity. One of my there was a Coco Montoya show coming up somewhere that we were going to go to, and I don't know if we if we missed it already. I was asked, do we want to go? And I said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So I don't know if that's... One of my favorite Christmas CDs is a Blues Blues Christmas, which is all these 30s and 40s blues. So it's great. I'll be miserable for Christmas <laughs> if I make it to New Year's Eve. I got some holiday blues. It's like awesome. But I will give credit to the Blues Brothers because even Dan Acker said, look, we weren't that good, but their goal was to try to promote the blues. Sure. You go watch the movie, Johnny Lee Hooker, Aretha Franklin, you know, all these great guys, like all the... Booker T and MG guys like Duck Dawn. They, they revived really, a lot of careers. They really wanted to promote it. They really made an effort. Yeah. And they admitted themselves they weren't that good. So which yeah. is kind of cool. Well, I don't know. They had a Cracker Jack band. I mean, they themselves probably weren't. No, they weren't that good, but the band was. Yeah. And well, they were doing a sort of a send-up, you know, not a parody, but they were just doing like an over-the-top. Well, it's 120 yeah, miles to Chicago. We have to finish this podcast. I have a pack of cigarettes and wearing sunglasses. That's right. <laughs> but now we go on to Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Well, that one I was a little more vocal up front about what I wanted to do. <laughs> but cause there, there's this acoustic bootleg that I've had since, like, my late teens, early 20s. And there's a couple songs on that that I was like, I'd really like, I'd really like to cover these. Like, Walking Down the Line. I don't know if you know it or not. but And then Let Me Die. In my footsteps, I really love that song. Um, so, and th- but that that's going to be a cool show because the first set is going to be an acoustic approach, and then the second set will be the electric. Oh, so people will be booing and throwing stuff at the electric. Oh, yeah, you know, really <laughs> can you believe? Oh, uh, can you believe? Like this about that that this was like a at the time a huge huge. Yeah, I know. What wasn't it? Was it at the Norfolk? Newport. Yeah, Newport. Newport. It's like Dylan goes electric. I'm like. 
effing care. Yeah. <laughs> you think they'd be a little more forgiving and follow along with what he's trying to do, you know? Uh, but I guess. But they no. had a thing, I guess, because I'm not a big Metallica fan. I guess their fans freaked out when they got haircuts. Those folk rockers, <laughs> you know, they're violent people. You know me. Hey, you better watch. Like, I'm sure those folk rockers will get you. It's like. They'll be throwing popcorn at you. You're going to get hit with patchouli. You're doing right. Well, we're, it's fully disclosed up front what it's going to be, so hopefully we'll avoid some of those. Uh, actually saw, uh, I actually saw the Rolling Thunder. I actually got a copy of it. It was so good. I saw the Rolling Thunder review thing at the Little. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll give her credit. Joe Baez, never think it's like she has a really good sense of humor. Oh, yeah? But you wouldn't expect there was like this comedy skit one time with me, Joe Baez, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> But she has a really nice sense of humor, and it was really good. Cool. And he's always like, what I like about him, and I will say, and I don't care what year it came out, when I read it, it's the year I give it my best book, but his philosophy of modern song was just excellent. I just loved it. I was like, one of those, it's like you're sitting there, you know, just having lunch in some place with Bob, and he's just talking. Hmm. And it's not pedantic or pretentious. He's just funny. It seems like he's having a good time talking about the songs. He's like, he puts it in a way, too. He goes, why be all complex when you can just have a BLT is the best sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> and make it simple. Well, his songs are great. I mean, look at all the people that do them. I mean, again, you know, and his voice even. I, his voice never bothered me. I always liked his voice. It was kind of, it's interesting. It's like yeah, Tom Waits. Tom yeah. Waits or any sure. of those others like that. I think he tried. It's like my mom would tell me, say, well, <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, he put him up against these, some of these rock singers who sound like, you know, <clears throat> somebody stepped on their foot. So, you know, it's all... You know, it's Miles, all I've used this joke too many times. I do. Can you imagine you get, like, Dylan, Tom Waits, Leonard Cohen, and they go on American Idol? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how far they'd make it. And for me, unique voices, I would say Yima Sume for really unique voices, really unique voices. Yeah, well, I, I think it's unfortunate when singers try to sound like somebody else, because it's... Uh, it's always better if you just stay true to your authentic voice. There's certainly influence, and, but influence is different than like trying trying to sound like someone. I don't know. I never yeah, really like that. I'm a that. huge Kings fan, and I think that Ray doesn't have the best voice, but he's telling stories, and it fits. You wouldn't want like some eight octaves. Right. <laughs> well, and, and, and I always bring it back to Joni. A lot of people are t- talk about how she doesn't have the voice that she did, but if you listen... Just listen, first of all, the way that she can adapt her melody to fit with her voice and how just that inflection in itself and her phrasing, like, it just gives new meaning to the songs. Like, if, if people just give it a chance. And, and I think, they you know, like, one of my favorite concerts of this century, I can't believe I was saying century, right? We're already getting to, like, the, like the quarter-way <laughs> mark, mm-hmm. was Nick Cave at the Electric Factory. The thing I was saying to my friend was, watch what he does. Every song, he's not the best singer. He knows his range, though, and he knows and he knows how to put forth the lyrics he performs. You're getting, like, a stage performance with these on. Yeah, cool. It's better than, like, somebody who can, like, really sing with the music stinks. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. You can't you can't just sing the notes. You have to tell the story. That's what right. that's what really that's what connects you with the audience and, and brings people in. You know. And I liked also like Dylan. He's like you know, a lot of people don't think like okay like way left or something. He's very apolitical. He's like rational. Like you read his book, he's against basically insanity wherever it is. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite songs of his, and I guess he doesn't like the album, is "Changing of the Guard." 
Okay. From Street Legal, you just go through the lyrics on that. And I like how Bob explains it. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes through all these phases. We had like the, the religious Bob Dylan, the Billy the Kid Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Everything else. The well, they, they had they made that whole gospel album, right? The, the remake of all his tunes, and that, 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 I'm looking. I'm into the cover. Got to serve somebody. I really like that one. Yeah, I, I don't know. That might be that maybe awesome. that was his passion. He wanted to work at a restaurant, and he never said so. Yeah. That's all I think. Of. You got to serve somebody. It might not be the <laughs> devil. It might not be the Lord. Didn't there was a wasn't there a woman covered that right? Mm-hmm. That's the one I heard that I yes. Oh that. my gosh, what is her name? Shirley, maybe Shirley. I gotta look it up. So I could think it's Shirley Bassey, but it's time for no. But I remember, I remember having to play it at a benefit, and somebody said we're gonna do this song. So I checked it out. It was really cool, man. Yeah, yeah. She, she nails it. She has this whole talking thing before it. Shirley Caesar. Okay. I thought it was Caesar, and I was yeah. second guessing myself. I'm horrible like that. So you were. Hail hey, Caesar! <laughs> <laughs> she took a stab at the song. Oh yes. <laughs> But I saw, like, the thing, like, too, with Dylan, like, last time I saw him, and I know, like, friends have seen him when he's been very bad and very good. You never know. Like, I'll have some friends, I don't want to go see him because you never know how he's going to be. Or one of my friend's daughters worships, knows the lyrics. It's like, don't go see him live. But when I saw him last time at the Autotone Theater, I think he was really good. But the thing I love about Bob is sometimes he'll be halfway through his song, he'll be, what the heck is he playing? Cause, like like Rolling Stones, like wait a second, because he just does it so different. Yeah, he's like on, and he plays mostly keyboards now because I oh, guess really? like with his hands, okay. he can't really like go up and sing. But I guess like because of his hands, I guess keyboards is easier than guitar. Hmm. So he does that. And he won't talk to the audience at all except I guess like four shows after ours, he yelled at somebody and stopped playing because they took a picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you're not supposed to have any phone or anything in there, right? I mean, you can have your phone. I don't, don't quite understand that, though. You well, think I guess when he said he goes, you can pose, you can pose or play. That's when he said we could pose or play. You know, right. I respect that. It's the thing, that well, makes, yeah. thing I do get mad at is like some shows I've been to where they say, like RPO, so no cameras. Is that the, you know, like somebody pulling the thing out. It's like, why don't you just watch the, you're here to hear the, right. everything. It's like, oh, I'm here. It's like, who cares? <laughs> but he was really good, and I actually do like his Christmas album. I confess to that. Mm-hmm. I think Never he's heard. having fun. I think so. But do you have any, like, favorite period of his, or... I don't know. I, like I said, that I really enjoy that acoustic bootleg album. That's like the early on stuff. Don't say you got a bootleg album. Well, no, but that's how it's <laughs> advertised. It's how it's like it's on Spotify. Is there too? Like I don't Maybe know. Have, like the bootleg series. I like, think it's like they released his like home recordings or something. He's still making money on it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I like like I, I mean not from Spotify, but from other sources. Right. Why though? That nickel comes in handy. Yeah, I mean, that's a sad, that's a sad <laughs> thing. About, about music, like how artists write and everything. There's like, I've had like friends who've charted and they, oh, oh, you're rich. Oh, yeah, I got my nine cents this week. Yeah. It's like John Cleese one time said about Faulty Towers. You know, I still get my 18 cent check, but John doesn't need it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky because, like, it costs a lot of money to record an album. Like, right. And so you used, used to be able to b- maybe break even by selling them, but now nobody wants to buy albums anymore. I, I yeah. try to stress buy the merch. I, I'm still a CD person. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from friends who 
buy you like Toro lot, especially if you can buy a shirt. Yeah. We actually, we don't really have a lot of mer- merch Lauren and the Good Souls, but I did just make some winter hats with, like, embroidered Lauren and the Good Souls on it. So Ooh. we'll have those for sale. I think I'm going to start collecting those. I'm hats, starting to get, yeah. I got my Michaela hat. I got a, yeah. more people are trying to do it. Some people, like, 1916 does scarves. Okay. I got my Iron Smoke wool hat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a shirt. You got a little scully and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I bought it. I just because, what the hell. Tommy's been good to me, so, yeah. Tommy's been very, Give him some very money. good to you. Give him some money back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good product, you know, and everything else. But that's cool. I'm just, I can't imagine, like, the diversity of the songs in this one from the Dylan one. Too. Yeah. Probably, it's like, no, there's, there's only a few we can choose from. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. What a what a catalog of songs, yeah. And you've got to give credit, too. This is how music was different. I mean, it's always been a business. We know that. But you had people who really cared. I mean, there's some bands like Quicksilver, Messengers. They never, they never would have uh, been anything. But Dylan, like, his first album's bombed. But they liked the people at the record company liked them. They liked it, so they kept it going. Yeah. Whereas these days, if he had one album, be like, see ya. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's the only person. And I know there's more out there, but he's the only person who does House of Rising Sun from a female perspective on his first album. Hmm. I read something. I was doing a Google search of some. I forget the band now, but <clears throat> and the guy said, uh, "Well." Oh, it was Steve Miller, and uh, he was talking about the Joker. You know that thing he just came out with with the revamp. Well, I just got the years of the Joker know. from DC. Yeah. I can oh no, but he did this whole thing with all these different versions of the song and outtakes and what, all that stuff. So he said that when he was doing the record, the, the people at the record company were not that interested. He said some young kid who had no power in the record company, he was 23 or something, goes, oh, I think that song, The Joker, could be a hit. And there you go. And it just, they got behind it, and the rest is history. Why was you doing that joke like when the River Phoenix movie was like, I couldn't understand because he's supposed to be a choker, a midnight smoker. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't want to hurt no one. He's hurting a lot of people here. Right. Yeah. You know, like the early days of rock, like that. Like I saw the zombies. It was basically Colin Blunstone, Rod Argent. But they had one guy from the Kinks playing in the band. But he goes, they told the story of Time of the Season. It was on a B-side. There was like some disc jockey in Iowa just turned it over and played it. Right. And it became the hit. Yeah, that happens every now and then. And there was a lot of, like, I was reading Noel Monk's book about touring with Van Halen. Oh, yeah. oh those were, let's just put it yeah, that way. Those, but the thing was, they would, like, literally, like, when Fair Warning came out, they would, like, go, like, with bundles of uh, white stuff yeah. or money, which you wanted, and uh, they would bribe DJs to play it more. Sure. Well, there is that. I mean, it all depends on who you got behind you, I guess. Yeah. And what they're, what they're willing to do. Yeah, it's one of those we'll never been on. I'd love to see artists get paid. They should have like a thing where, okay, this is, you contribute this much, you get this much from there. I'm working on a couple of strong arm guys to terrorize DJs. <laughs> so, you know, I have to push my stuff. <laughs> well, what band is Okay, now we have a song that you're like the Phil Collins of this decade. Which yeah. like you couldn't like could get away in the 80s. Well, Phil's on this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I, remember, I remember I was watching, uh, oh, God. The late night there. Uh, the guy with the beard now. Letterman. Letterman. And he said something about 
one of his things in his monologue, he, he was saying, well, that's just what we need. This is an 80s show. He goes, that's just what we need. Another Phil Collins song. <laughs> so he, even he was a kind of a joke. Back, I think you can overstand. That's something like what Taylor and I think in the year, because you hear so much of anybody. It just gets to, you can like the stuff, but it's like you hear every, you hear so much yeah. oversaturation. It's like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those memes with uh, people do it, like falling for the drum solo, or not even a solo, but like that drum break yeah. in the air tonight. You know, oh, yeah, everybody boom, does boom, it. Boom, and like, see it. They're like falling over I stuff. would see it like the <laughs> locker room, like when I played football in high school, it would be on all of a sudden. But you know what? That was one of my little pet theories now, is if you want, if you're writing, I know it goes against the grain, but it's like, make something that's copyable. Make something that's not so hard that people can't do it, <clears throat> because that's how people are going to imitate you. Mm -hmm. And that's why everybody, you know, they do that little fill because they know it's there, but always have some cool little signature thing, even if it's an air guitar thing or whatever it is. But that seems to work. And Captain like Beefheart didn't care about that, obviously. What's that? Captain Beefheart didn't care about no, that. No, Captain Beefheart But the thing about Dylan, too, he seems like he likes to be an enigma. And I've read, like, his interview books. He sounds like my post on Facebook. Sometimes yeah. where he just, I think he just, he likes to play games. I think, without everything I've read, people who know him, he's a really nice guy. Charlie Daniels, couldn't he, he played, like, a John Wesley Harding, something. He said that, but one of the funnier stories is Ian McLaughlin played with him. And he's like, what the heck's going on? It's like, he's staring at me. <laughs> so he's like, he gets like a band member. He goes, oh, don't be, uh, don't be whacked out about Bob staring at you on stage. Like, what's he doing? He's nearsighted. He won't wear his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, it's like Bob stared at me during the show. He gave me, it's like, what the heck is that? Man. But I think that that's like timeless, too. Music is always, and you can always, I think it's open for interpretation, too. Absolutely. So that'll be really cool, too. You have so many good things coming up. Yeah, I'm excited. Make sure you go to some of these, folks. Yeah, check them out. Plenty of and time. And where is the deal? Well, well, at the end, we'll just make sure we announce them all again, because I forgot. It was Love and Cup, one day. Two of them are actually at Love and yeah, Cup. The so. first and the, and the 30th. 30th. Okay. And the yeah. other one's Avon. Yeah, you got it. See? Wow. <laughs> It's Very good. It's all the music talk stimulated both sides of your brain. <laughs> Give him this cookie. <laughs> Here, take your cookie. You've been good. So what, and speaking of that, we have to, uh, when you're on the show, what's been, what have you been baking? Anything different? Anything oh, well, you know, at this time of year, I like to do some soups. I like soups, a good lentil soup or Ooh. greens and beans. I like to Oh, make. I could, that's the problem with those, though. Like, I remember, I have these friends now, we're getting older, believe it or not, that we're trying, we usually meet for Christmas, but now we try to go to lunch like three, four times a year. Mm -hmm. Try golfing once, that wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> but actually, one place, if you go to the, the Cardinals, they have a little robot server. <laughs> Really? Yeah, and it's not the, the owner seems like a really cool guy. He said, now, they have staff. He's not taking jobs. You know, but he said he wants to make it easier on them. But when you're in there, and I can imagine, like, in my college days, going in there stoned or something. <laughs> hey, this little robot. <laughs> and they named it. But they said it makes it easy on the servers. They think the order little robot comes out. Nice. He's named Rosie because he's a Jetsons fan. Yeah. Uh -huh. Don't be freaked out <laughs> on that one. But, no, but, like, we went to Tony D's, and, like, my friend Rob said, I'll get takeout greens and beans and have it for... Greens and beans is interesting because, like, you can have it as, like, a dish where it's not, like, real soup. It's not. It's more just like 
it's more content and whatnot, and that's not right. broth. But I tend to make it more like a soup. But I'll throw I'll throw some greens in, like if I'm making chicken French. Um, I like to throw the escola right in there. Yeah, I go like I'll mm-hmm. make it myself. I'll go to a Lindos and I'll buy all the stuff there. Mm-hmm. Make a huge pot of it. Yeah, I think though if we're talking about re- I hear from all my feedback of cooking for the bands and stuff, uh, my eggplant parm is like is like the go-to I think for most. I can't my That's good. I like the eggplant. eggplant the, the trick with picking out a good eggplant is you got to flip it over and look at the bottom and like the little where it breaks off. Uh, well, not the top where it's green, but the bottom. So you want it to be long. You don't want it to be round. And you want them to be kind of just in general like a smaller eggplant. You want them to, you don't want them to be super big. How cool is that? Yeah. Be? So if you look at the bottom, I mean, you think of it as like male and female. Like round is a, like the female. That this is. I don't know scientifically if this is true, but this is what, okay. how my grandma explained it to me. That it has more seeds in it. Okay. And you don't want the seeds. The seeds make it better. So you want to look for something that's more long on the bottom. And like they tend to plants. have. Yeah. <laughs> they tend so to you have would say, like, less at, at the market by my house where we get the, my neighbors would bring them over, I that's think. I never knew that. I cool. think, mm-hmm. but they, because they just buy tons of but they get, like, the ones for, like, 25 cents. They'd be these huge ones. And I always, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be nasty, but I'm always saying, no, you want the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, you learn so much on this show. And then when I, when I make it, it's almost like lasagna. Because I cut it so thin, and then I put it in egg, and then I and then I use panko Italian breadcrumbs because uh. that gives it a little more breadcrumby. And each little piece is fried and browned on each side. And then and then I put the sauce and then a layer, and then the sauce and then cheese and then I just keep layering it. I usually do at least three rows deep of eggplant. And yeah, it's, it's make really one of those jello. Done. Mold thing. Yeah. Yeah. for dinner tonight. <laughs> yeah. No, I realize the one thing I've always stunk it was lasagna, though, because it's like it's like almost working with puff pastry. Yeah. I got, I, you I know what? I hand the lasagna off to my sister. She does a killer lasagna. I got one. I've got one. No, no, it fell on the floor. Here we go again. <laughs> or like cabbage rolls or something. Yeah. But yeah, my dad will always get the like fried just right on those, and you have to get like I think the breadcrumbs are important. It's like. Yeah, I like the panko breadcrumbs because they there's it there's more breadcrumb there. I don't know. I I'm a carb person. I love carbs. So you versus know, you, what kind of where what the just regular breadcrumbs? They're like a, a finer. Oh, they're powdery. They're, yeah, yeah, they're more powdery. So the panko ones. See now, this doesn't end up being crunchy more because granule. Of, but yeah. if I were to just have it and not make the layers. It would be crunchy. Uh, you would have, and I like having that crunch. Right. right. So I make chicken cutlets. You want to talk about Tommy uh, DeVito with his chicken cutlets, they call them. But I, I'll make the chicken cutlets with the Italian, the, the, the panko ones, because then it gets it a nice a nice coating on the outside of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like crunchy and then soft on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. So go with panko Italian breadcrumbs. There you, you go. Have to do a, <laughs> you have to do a theme album. You sing recipes. <laughs> Next week, chocolate mousse. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> With uh, the one jazz guy makes gumbo on stage. Oh, right. 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 Big Bill, somebody or other. I keep thinking, it's not trombone shorty. It's a no, his name's Bill. special sauce. His name's Bill, somebody or other. I can't remember his last name. Bill Whalen or Bill, it, it's something like that. So that's really cool and everything. That's uh, now my diet, which I'm trying to do, is ruined today because I know what I'm going to do after the show. <laughs> But you might as well have fun and everything, too. But this has always just been a lot of fun. You're yeah. like, what am I doing with these two crazy no, people? No, I love coming on and chatting with you guys. <laughs> and we love having you. So it's I well, we'll have it. one. We'll I learned a lot. We'll wear chef's hats and we're 
<laughs> Maybe I, I can uh, bring like a like a stovetop little like skillet or something. You ever make your own pizza stuff? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, see, I like doing that because you yeah. know the, you talked about soup and drink. I would say that our various health woes we've had. Right. It's better to make your own soup because you don't have to salt the heck out of it. Right. You could stuff whatever you want in yeah, it. I'm a big soup guy now, more than I used to be. I made a Mexican pepper it's, soup. It's, a, it's like an, everything all in one, and then if you need right. it to be a little more. Filling, you have a nice bread with it, or you put a little... But now the pasta, if you put pasta with it, I wouldn't put it right in with the big pot. Right. I would add it separate, because if you actually put it in with the big pot, it sucks up all the broth. Yep, yep. I have an idea now, though, for the next time. We'll try to think of, well, maybe not you. <laughs> we'll yep. try to think of, like, recipes. We'll name them after, like, musicians. Like, what would a Tory be? Yeah. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's how I love Love and Cup, and they all their menu items are different musicians and songs I would and artists. The, cool. I would, yeah, I would always just get like the eggplant, the purple thing, or the white room, just because I told Leslie, it's like, okay, you named Love and Cup after a lyric in the Stone song. It's from one of those songs on, uh, yeah. but I, I just go, okay, I can remember this because I can't remember what the heck some of these things are. Yeah. My go-tos there are the Tangled Up in Blue, which is real, it's a really good salad, or the Hot for Teacher. I like that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, one of, I, so I went there with one of my friends, it's like, I want this, but I can't order it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't need me, right? You, you, no. Yeah. Yeah, no hot for teacher for you. Uh-huh. Up and blue, you can oh, I went know. to Catholic schools. So I don't worry about that. Yeah, I hear that. But no, I love, like, I always get the eggplant there, the eggplant. Mm-hmm. Now you're making me want, well, eggplant is not We're in fish season right now. <laughs> but cool, but I do like that. But very cool. And uh, let's, for once, we've been not doing this well lately. Uh, we're going to have a song at the end, but first, can you just say those dates and stuff? Sure, whatever. yeah. Well the, song, well, the song at the end, too, is one I wrote, which is cool. I don't think I've done an original on the show yet. So, um, But, yeah, March 1st is the Celebrating Women in History, uh, which is the Lauren and the Good Souls at Love and Cup. Then March 30th is the Eric Clapton Birthday Bash at Love and Cup. And May 4th is the Bob Dylan uh, Tribute, and that's at the Avon Theater. So, and it's like, plus, think about it, too, by that time, we even, I still think we're going to get slammed once, by then it'll be drivable. Oh, yeah. Watch out for cows or, like, yeah. or, or moose. You never know. No, Adriana's <laughs> on tour right now. She's telling me this story. There was a moose in the road. Oh, and I'm like, you don't mess with moose. They could decapitate yeah. you, basically. It's like yeah. hippos. Oh, is it be cute? I uh, just bit somebody's head off. There's sheep in Fairport every now and then. When you go to, like, Turkill Road, if yeah. you're going to Castle Larga, there's a sheep farm there. Every now and then, there's a couple of them that get out or something. <laughs> no, I remember, like, I, I saw Grace Browning in Menden. I was like, oh, don't worry. Watch out for the deer. So I'm going down by the studio, and there's a bunch of deer jump over me. Oh, we have a new topic for the next show. Now we're going to do animal stories on the road. Yeah. <laughs> I have some good venison recipes, too, if you need Oh, dear. <laughs> and it's called Thump Thump. What was that? <laughs> You killed me. <laughs> <laughs> On that, uh, what's your song? Oh, the song is called The Women That Have Come Before Me. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Thanks a lot. And Thank you. See you later. Good.
I'll care. 